Hello. This podcast for learners of English is made possible thanks to donations from my lovely listeners and support from my very special sponsors. The sponsor of this episode is Italki, which is an online service that helps you find a teacher or language partner for lessons or conversations in pretty much any language, including English, of course. They have loads of English teachers from the UK, Canada, the USA, and other English-speaking countries. It's a great language learning tool and a very simple way to get real English conversation practice into your life. You sign up, you check out their teachers, you book some lessons and away you go. You can start having English lessons on Skype based on your schedule and your needs in the comfort of your own wonderful home, even if your home isn't wonderful yet. Just you could improve your English with iTalki, then get a better job, earn more money and then buy a wonderful home. In any case, you can get a free lesson with iTalki by going to teacherluke.co.uk/talk or just click an iTalki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello folks, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing out there in podcast land? I hope you're doing all right. Um, I'm feeling good. I've just finished recording this episode. I mean, the main part, the interview part. I just finished doing that uh, about half an hour ago. Feeling good because uh, this is quite a special episode because of today's guest. I'm talking to a really famous comedian in this one. So it was quite a thrill for me. And I really hope that it translates into a good listening experience for you too and that it grabs your attention, and not just because it's a chance to practice your listening in English. Um, So, a a comedian, a famous comedian, Sugar Sammy. Now, you know that as well as being an English teacher and a podcaster, I'm a stand-up comedian, which means that I go on stage in front of audiences, and I try to make them laugh by telling jokes and telling stories and doing voices and things. Stand-up comedy is huge as a form of entertainment, and arguably as an art form. It's huge, particularly in the English-speaking world. In Paris, where I live, there is a stand-up comedy scene in English. It's pretty small. There aren't that many English-speaking comedians and shows in English. And in some ways, that's actually really cool, because I get to meet and hang around with some pretty famous people who come here to do comedy. Because the scene is quite small, when people come in, I you know, often we'll have a chance to meet them and hang around with them. For example, there are the professional French comedians who also want to perform in English. And I'm talking about people like Gad Elmaleh, who is the biggest French-speaking comedian in the world, who I kind of met. I didn't properly meet him. I said hello to him and we performed on the same show. But that was cool. So Gad Elmaleh, for example, and also other French comedians like Yassine Belus and Noman Hosni, who've been on this podcast. But also, I get to brush shoulders with comedians who come here from other places, like the UK, the USA, or Canada, to perform their comedy in English or maybe in French. People like Eddie Izzard, Ian Moore, and so on. Basically, because it's a small scene, I get to hang out and meet Uh, with some really great comedy stars. And that's how I met today's guest, Sugar Sammy, who comes from Canada. 
Now, Sugar Sammy is a genuine star of comedy. You might not have heard him in the countries where you're listening to this, out there in uh, Lepland, in, uh, in, uh, in the world of Luke's English podcast. You might not be aware of him. But he is probably the biggest name that I've ever had on this podcast. I had David Crystal, of course, the famous linguist. You know I'm interested in language and language teaching, so David Crystal was a big guest for that reason. But I'm also obsessed with stand-up, and Sammy is massively famous in the world of stand-up comedy, especially in Canada. And I'm lucky to be friendly enough with him to get him on this podcast. Here's some information about Sammy. In terms of his background, he was born and he grew up in Montreal, Canada, a bilingual city. The official language there in Montreal is French, but everyone can speak English too. In total, Sammy speaks four languages, English, French, Punjabi and Hindi. And he does stand-up comedy in all of them. He's of Indian origin. I'm not sure of the details, but I'm guessing that his parents or maybe even his grandparents moved to Canada from India at some point. Anyway, this is why he can speak Punjabi and Hindi, both Indian languages, but he was born in Montreal. Um, He has a list of accomplishments and awards as long as your arm. I don't know how long your arm is, but I'm assuming it's very long because so is this list of achievements. By the way, the expression, a list as long as your arm, that's just a phrase that we use in English meaning a long list, um, a list as long as your arm. So Sammy has a list of accomplishments and awards as long as your arm. Uh, He's done lots of things and achieved lots of things in his career so far. A quick look at his Wikipedia page tells you about his achievements. He's done sold-out one-man shows, HBO comedy specials, his own TV shows. He's open for Dave Chappelle. He gets featured in newspapers and he gets photographed by paparazzi. One of his main accomplishments is that he was the first person to perform a successful bilingual show in Quebec a place which is notorious for how it protects French as the official language. So performing in English, uh, Punjabi and Hindi there was actually a very controversial thing to do. He once performed in front of over 115,000 people at the end of a 420-show tour at the Just for Laughs Festival in 2016. Sammy is a regular at the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, which is the biggest international comedy festival in the world. Sammy has performed in the United States, Canada, France, Belgium, England, Australia, Germany, Ireland, the Netherlands, Hong Kong, Thailand, the Philippines, China, India, Bahrain, Jordan, Qatar, Egypt, Kuwait, Abu Dhabi, Lebanon, Singapore, Malaysia, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, we've had Bahrain twice, Northern Ireland, Dubai, Haiti, New Zealand and South Africa, where his one-man show sold 15,000 tickets. And that's just in English. He also has a successful comedy career in French. As a stand-up comedian, and I've seen Sammy perform on stage lots of times, I would describe him as confident, charming, very sharp, good at imitating different accents, good at playing with cultural stereotypes, excellent at exploiting people's cultural assumptions, and very, very quick when it comes to doing crowd work. His shows always include lots of improvisation in which he talks to the people on the front row and always manages to turn the interactions into very funny moments of comedy. If you want information on how to see Sammy on stage, go to his website, sugarsammy.com, join his mailing list. He'll 
keep in touch with you about shows that uh, he is going to be doing in different countries. Uh, you can see him performing in French in Paris at the Alhambra Theatre uh, during 2018. And later this year, he's going to tour internationally and he has plans to visit parts of Asia, including Malaysia, Singapore, China and Japan, and potentially even more places. So seriously... Watch out for Sugar Sammy doing shows in your country soon and I really recommend that you get out and see him on stage if you can. Go to his website sugarsammy.com and join his mailing list. Sugar Sammy is a world-class comedian and a really cool guy and I'm very pleased to have him on the podcast today. In terms of his English and his accent, he's a Canadian native speaker of English so he has a typical Canadian accent which for many people is indistinguishable from a sort of standard American accent. For many people, basically, Canadian accents and American accents sound the same. I can usually hear the difference between Canadian and American accents, I think, but it's a very subtle difference. Basically, in many cases, Canadian English is very close to American English. They sound very, very similar. Our conversation focuses on comedy, language, and various issues relating to both of those things, as well as a few other things like TV shows that we watched when we were growing up. I think that we are lucky to be able to listen to Sammy on this podcast. I feel grateful to have been able to sit down and talk to him for over an hour. As you're all learners of English, I hope that this provides you with the interesting, engaging and authentic English listening practice that you're looking for. I won't say any more in the introduction here now. I'm going to shut up. It's time to just start listening to my chat with Sugar Sammy. And here we go. First of all, Sammy, I'm very pleased to have you on the show. Thanks for asking. It's been a while we've been trying to get this going, right? It has, yeah. I've always been meaning to get you on the podcast, and finally it's happening, which is fantastic. Yeah. I've got loads of things to ask you, lots of things to talk to you about. First of all, let me tell you who's listening. All right. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an idea of the different countries that are listening to wow. us right now. Wow. Okay. So um, uh, these are the people you're talking to. In, in this order. So I'm going to tell you the top 10 countries over the last 10 months. Wow. No, it's the last six months. Um, so in 10th position is Germany. Oh, wow. Hello, Germany. Uh, then you've got Ukraine, number nine. Ukraine, okay. Republic of Korea. Oh, okay. North south, or south? South. South, okay, great. Not the Democratic People's okay. Republic, but right, uh, right. South, south Korea. South Korea, the fun part. Uh, <laughs> I imagine. I don't know. Do they have stand-up in North Korea? I don't know. I don't think it would last too long. Someone needs to introduce stand-up yeah. in North Korea. I think it'd be like old school. Like, if you don't make the king laugh, you're done. I think so, they yeah. Throw you, they throw you to the would, in the dungeon. Would you like that job? I would not like that job. That, that's, that seems like a high-stress job. Comedian in North Korea? Probably one of the <laughs> highest-stress jobs in the world. <laughs> It'd probably be up there with, uh, with you know, being in the military. But, but wouldn't the comedian be the only person who could sort of tell the truth in 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 front of uh, the leader well here's the thing i think he'd get killed for telling the truth i think he'd have to pander wouldn't he <laughs> but isn't this weren't comedians back in the olden days like even in the medieval times yeah weren't they always want the ones who could tell the truth because they if they could make it funny if they could do it as a as a joke yeah and they made it funny and they made the king laugh yeah he's the only person who could sort of tell the truth Yes. Right? Yeah. I think it was, it was fine as long as it wasn't at the king's expense. Or am oh. I wrong about that? 
I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm sure that there were lots of court uh, jesters who, who did die yeah. as, as a result of getting the joke wrong. We should, well, that's one thing we should explore. We should, next podcast, mm-hmm. let's look up all the court jesters who've died a <laughs> <laughs> okay. painful death because they told the wrong joke. We'll find all the stories of yeah. the, uh, yeah, the court jesters. The Roseanne Bars of their day. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Roseanne Bars. She, uh, uh, she just basically just destroyed her career. On Twitter, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of. I here's the thing. Wait a minute. Are we going to jump to other countries? Well, remember first? that okay. we've got Germany, Ukraine, Republic of Korea, and other countries who don't even know who Roseanne Barr is. All right, okay. So well, let's get back to Roseanne Barr after we do the list, or do we, should we explain Roseanne Barr? Let's come back to Roseanne Barr. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Let's carry on with the list. Okay. In seventh position, Poland. Poland. You know, my girlfriend's Polish. Right. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have uh, lots of Polish material now. Do you really? Yeah. I had Polish food for the first time uh, last Christmas mm-hmm. uh, at her mom's house. Okay. Yeah, it was better than I thought. What was it? Uh, it was actually, here's the thing. I thought it was going to be just, you know, salt and water because of the whole <laughs> famine thing, you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was pleasantly surprised. There was like fish. There's protein in it. Um, I had fish. I had the pierogies. <laughs> I had, I forget what the fish is called. It sounds something like popopobretsku. I know what the Polish are listening know exactly what I'm talking about. And then I had, um, uh, I had per- the pierogies and then some other uh, soup uh, made out of beet. Beetroot, yeah, beetroot soup, yeah. Wow, yeah. It's it's not salt and water, but it's still depressing. Like it's depressing food. <laughs> it's not like my first pick, you know. I always go for Mexican food first. That's like, it's really? hard, yeah, and it's hard to find Mexican food in Paris. Good, a good Mexican place. spicy food. You mean? Yeah, I love spicy food. Yeah, me too. Oh yeah. Sixth position, uh-huh. the United Kingdom. Oh, the UK. Yeah, what are they doing listening to this? Wow, it must be all those like uh, Northerners, Geordies who don't know how to speak English. You know, like, you know what I mean? Just fake this You know, like, that's the thing. Before I went to England, I thought everybody had that posh, mm-hmm. sophisticated James Bond, Hugh Grant accent. Man. You mean like the way I speak? Yeah. But most, most, most of your country speak like farm animals. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you, go, you go like the northern parts. Jeez, like uh, Newcastle. When I went to Newcastle, those Geordies, man, mm-hmm. I, I could barely understand them. I remember I had this comedian that I worked with in England, and he talked to me backstage. I'd have to ask him to repeat things over and over. But your ear gets used to it. The more you, time you spend in a country, the more you get to um, get you get used to these accents, and your ear starts adjusting and yeah. picking it up. And that happens in France, too, because there's different accents, not only in this country, but in this city. And right. the same thing in, in London, right? They have yeah. the Cockney accent and they have all these other accents yeah. and you start picking them up. Yeah. Right. Uh, fifth position, Spain. Oh, Spain. Yeah. Wow, cool. I just watched uh, Rafael Nadal kick some butt. Did you? Uh, at Roland Garros. You, actually, you went to Roland Garros? Yeah, I went with my girlfriend on, uh, on Monday. That's the tennis tournament here in France, the yeah. uh, French Open. The French Open, yeah. Okay, you went on Monday. Ah, yeah, it, was it didn't rain. It rained uh, at the end. Okay, so they had to postpone that match. But I watched Djokovic win, and then I watched uh, um, another match, and then I, I forget who the, the players were, and then I watched uh, Nadal. So that was fun to watch those two play, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Did yeah. you have good seats as well? I had great seats, man. Yeah. I was, uh, it was good. I was like, I got invited. It was like a, a, a very lucky thing. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. It's funny. It was like my first time that I got picked up by the paparazzi. Oh yeah, yeah. I was in the magazines in like those uh, tabloidy magazines, and I was like freaked out because usually whenever I have my pictures taken, people ask me, "Can I take a? Can we take a photo yeah, of you?" And, yeah, but yeah. they took photos of me and my girlfriend without us knowing, making out. 
watching oh, yeah. tennis, yeah. And what was the story that they, they There was like Sugar Sammy and his girlfriend all in love, blah, 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 you know, and how watching you, tennis. How do you feel about that? Well, it's good. Good points for my lady, you know? Yeah. That's definitely a great, those are great points for making babies. Like, <laughs> my girlfriend. She's happy? She's happy. I, she just peed all over her territory without her knowing. Like, she just <laughs> marked her territory. <laughs> of course she's happy. She's like, he's mine. <laughs> he's mine. He's and mine, the everybody. whole country knows now. Right, okay, I yeah. see. So she's feeling happy with herself. She's too. definitely happy. She's and pretending, oh, the paparazzi. <laughs> I'm like, you're so happy about this right now. You definitely want to have sex. Okay. So, <laughs> good, good. I'm very happy for you. So, the, yeah, brownie points. Yeah, brownie points. Exactly. All right, fourth place, Japan. Oh, Japan. Yep. Hey, I got to go to Japan. I haven't been yet. Oh, really? I haven't been. I really want to go. I have a friend who said, hey, I organize comedy nights in Japan, and he wants to bring me out. Would you go to that? What would I go to? Japan. Uh, Japan, yeah. Do you stand up? I, I did stand up in Japan last time I went. Oh, wow. I went last year on holiday uh, with my wife, and uh, I thought, hey, man, you know, I should, sort, I should try and get myself uh, a show. Yeah. And so I got in touch with a friend who does some stand up uh, over there, and, you know, we organized something. It was just like a. I, I had no idea if I would be able to bring a, get an audience together and stuff. And um, I managed to, so we just organized the show in a room for about 50 or 60 people. And um, uh, I talked about it on my podcast. I said, hey, Japanese listeners, I'm going to be in this place on this day. Uh, you know, come along. I, I said it's free. I didn't charge. Should yeah. have charged on the door. And? And, I, and uh, we arrived there and there was, they were queuing up all the way up the stairs. Wow. Yeah. And the, the room was completely packed. Um, and I had some friends who, who did like short sets first and then I did about an hour. Wow. And, um, yeah, they were queuing up in the stairwell. They couldn't all fit into the room. And even during the show, they were sitting on the stairs listening. That's amazing. Unbelievable. So do you think the Japanese paparazzi got a photo? (laughs) <laughs> of you and your lady while you were there? Uh, no idea. That maybe. would have been great brownie points. It would have been, yeah. Save those and show them to, show them to her. Uh, we can make it up. We'll just get yeah, someone just, to take photos and then just do a yeah. collage and send it to your lady. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That and would be boom, good. Brownie good. points, just put those in, in yes. the bank. You never yes. really need them. But that's great, man, because I want to go to Japan. I have a friend who organizes shows there. So anybody in Asia, I'm, do, I'm doing some shows in Asia soon. Mm-hmm. Go to my website, sign up. I'll send you an email that you know where I'm performing. Do you know where you're going to go yet? Uh, right now, for sure. Oh, when does this air? Uh, in a in the next two weeks or so. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm doing something in Malaysia and Singapore for sure, and then now I have requests for China and Japan coming in. Yeah. So the, that'll be fun. So anybody listening, sign up on my website. I'm coming. Website sugarsammy.com. All right. Easy. Yeah. And listeners, you must go and see this man. <clears throat> he's, he's extremely funny. You believe believe me. Uh, third position, the United States. Oh wow. Which again, I don't really understand. But, you know... Same theory as the UK. I think so. Yeah. They're like, you know, obviously they want to learn the proper English. Well, s- most people in the USA can't spell USA. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That's why they listen to this podcast. Hello, America. Yeah. <laughs> Love I, from Canada. Actually, I think with the, the, my theory with the UK is that it's like foreign students who are learning English and they're in the UK and they're like, I desperately need to learn this language in order to, to survive on a daily basis. So they listen to me for that reason. The United States, I think it's mainly like NSA agents yeah. who are just spying on, on the internet in general. Maybe it's Trump trying to learn English. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Get some culture. Yeah. Believe me, folks, I've got the greatest words. <laughs> I listen to Luke's English podcast. It's totally terrific. <laughs> um, second place, China. Oh, wow. Hey, China. I'm coming down. 
Yeah, Sammy's coming in your direction soon. Yeah. Be, get ready. Coming all over China. Lock up your daughters. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, any first place, the Russian Federation. Wow. Russia, yes. Wow. Hey, you know, I've always been curious about Russia. Do, mm. do they have English stand-up in Russia? Yeah, they do. They do? Yeah. I'd love to go. Me too. They, to go. I've got like <gasps> listeners in Russia who've been trying to bring me over there for ages and just for one reason or another work commitments you know all the other stuff life in general i haven't managed to organize a trip over there but um yeah i'd like to go to russia too and, and do yeah. a show oh yeah. man i you know i was always fascinated by russia mainly because i'm a big hockey fan yeah so you know in canada we love hockey and there was always this big rivalry between canada and the ussr back in the day mm. and uh there was always this mystical uh, you know, uh, feel about Russia where we, you know, USSR, where we, you know, we didn't quite know what was going on over there yeah. and what the regiment was and how strict they were and what their systems were like. And they were always very protective about that with the outside world. Mm. And that mystique always fascinated us. Then we realized it's just a bunch of alcoholics <laughs> <laughs> running around it's showing just, muscle. Yeah, it's just the same as everywhere else, really. Um, but yeah, it's true that uh, the West, you know, uh, particularly the United States, is very good at like showing off and telling the world about themselves and tons of like movies and TV and stuff like that, you mm. know, constantly like, hey, listen to us, we're amazing. Whereas in Russia, they're like, no, we will keep, uh, you know, we'll keep. Uh, ourselves to ourselves thank you very much yeah, so exactly. we don't know really in, in, in the west that much about no. Russia or what it's like over there well what do we what do we know about them first of all we know that they definitely have uh, military strength we know that well that's that's what we're told told who knows it could be just one dude with a water gun right we don't know we don't know, <laughs> we don't know. but the propaganda is so good uh-huh. and the mystique is so good yeah you know, they've built up this myth that we feel this and we're not sure how to proceed with them. So that's that's one. But I don't, I don't know where the propaganda is coming from a lot of the time because I think uh, they have a totally different uh, story to us. Uh, I don't know which direction it's coming in and who's telling which things to who. But maybe our media is kind of um, obsessed with the idea that Russia is like this heavily militarized country and, a, yeah. and sort of, you know, scary and, and all yeah, that stuff. Knows? And, you know, they, they might be lovely. As, you know, according to my listeners, the, the content I get from them generally from Russia is that they're lovely. They love drinking tea, eating cake and, and talking about, you know, uh, Star Wars and ninjas and things. Well, that's why I want to I go check it out. And they're, they're, but what's the other thing we know? Ice hockey. We know hockey. They're really good at hockey. And the ballet. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, They have this tradition of ballet and the arts mm. Mm. that's incredible, but they're strict about it from what I know. Like, they're, like they're, you know, their ballet is the way they proceed with, uh, with teaching it and, uh, and the level they want to bring it to is really strict. They want it to be world-class mm. level. Mm. So, also, very, very well-read. Uh, like, uh, very, very uh, good readers read tons of books. Mm. Um, I mean, Unlike America. Yeah, where they're like, what, you know, like that Bill Hicks sketch. What, what are you reading for? Yeah. You just heard that? <laughs> no. Bill Hicks, an American comedian who's not, he's not alive anymore, uh, unfortunately. Mm. But he did a really great routine where he's like in a, he's in some place in the South, like in Tennessee or something, in a, in a waffle restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there in the booth reading a book. And then next thing you know, some trucker in the next booth stands up and goes, <laughs> no, uh, the, the waitress comes over and she goes, uh, what are you reading for? 
Like not not what am I reading, but what am I reading for? Yeah, like, like why, there's a purpose. Yeah, why are you reading? There's an emergency. This guy needs to put some letters together and form words. Yeah, and send them to yeah, yeah. And then so the, the trucker in the next booth is like, "Well, looks like we got ourselves a reader." <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bubba! And then everybody just gathers around. Look, Look at, at this reading. guy. He's reading a book. Is he reading a book? <laughs> But there's um, what else do we know? Hey, do you know this singer? My sister just introduced me to this singer from Russia called Vitas. Have you no, heard of Vitas? Never heard of him. You got to look this guy up. It's like it's insane what he does. It's like it's so strange but watchable. He has yeah. this song. I forget what it's called. Uh, I forget what, Element Number Seven or something. I forget yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. Seventh Element or something. Seventh Element. Something like that. Vitas. Yeah. Look up Vitas, and he he looks like this. Mix of a human and alien, right there, right there. Seventh Element. Look at that. Two thousand. Uh, yeah. Okay. And has this crazy weird song that's so watchable. This guy, he's a phenomenon. He's like all over uh, YouTube. And I think he sells millions of records. Wow, I've never heard of him before. Vitas. Okay, listeners in Russia, if you if you know all about Vitas, what's the deal? What's the story with Vat- Vitas? Yeah, let's know. He must be famous in other places as well. Yeah, yeah, because his videos have gone viral because it's just so crazy and out there. Yeah. You know, wow. Okay, yeah. there, there you go. Uh, all right. So those those are the countries that are listening to us. I'm curious to go to uh, to some of those countries uh, and on my upcoming trips. Yeah. Russia, I've always been fascinated yeah. with. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should go there. I'm sure you'd you'd, you'd have a great time. Oh yeah. yeah. Spain, I've been, but only as a tourist. But I, I'd love to see if there's a an English um, an English uh, stand up comedy scene. Here's the thing: is uh, one of my dreams is to really do South America, but learn Spanish, and I really want to do this. Yeah. before the end of my career is learn Spanish and Portuguese and be able to tour South America. That's one of my dreams because wow. no North American's done that yet. Yeah. yeah. So you are kind of groundbreaking, right? I mean, um, uh, this is what people say about you, right? Um, it's, how, how, how on earth can we get through the, your whole career here? Um, first of all, maybe I should just ask you first, like, uh, what are you doing at the moment then? Well, right now I'm performing in Paris. I have my Parisian show. I built a show uh, in French for France. So I've written a completely different show than my Canadian show, than my show in Quebec. Because, you know, comedy is not just about language. It's about culture. So you have to adapt not only linguistically but culturally. You have to figure out mm. – what's on people's minds here? What makes people tick? You know, what gets under their skin mm-hmm. in this society? What are they thinking about without knowing they're thinking about it? And you have to really hone those things down and present it to them, I think, or, or at least figure those things out and build a bridge between yourself and them. And language is important in that too. So I built a show in, in French for France. All it's right. a, pretty much a critique. Uh, really? Yeah, it's an honest and severe critique of France and, and uh, coming from a Canadian, but in French. So, to me, I think that approach has always worked. It's kind of like a cultural roast. Okay, a roast. You, you, yeah, may, need to explain, yeah. you may need to explain the concept of a roast. Yeah, a roast is when you make fun of someone while they're there. So, mm-hmm. I just kind of make fun of the whole country, right? Mm-hmm. So, probably North Korea is off limits for me. <laughs> but, uh, they would roast you, like, literally. Yeah, literally. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants Indian? Okay, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I would... Uh, <laughs> I would think, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm touring France. Uh, I just did some shows in Canada as well to release my DVD, but I'm I'm back in France right now. Okay. All right. So getting under the skin of the French and what did you say? uh, Honest and severe critique. Honest and severe critique. Yeah. 
severe. Mm-hmm. Meaning I don't hold hold back. You know, I don't hold, hold any punches. I just go for it. Go for the jugular. I really have to. You can't filter yourself when you write like that because I think everybody else will feel like you're filtering yourself and yes. you're being nice. So you have to be careful not to pander. It can't be somewhere where like, ah, I love you guys. But it has to be done in a way where there is love and appreciation yeah. for the people, but you're kind of poking fun at them, but you're going, you know, you're, you're really going for, for it all the way. So you have to make sure that um, even if it hurts, you're going to go there. You're going to write material that's going to maybe hurt them, but make them laugh at the same time. Can you give me an example? Well, I talk about, <laughs> I have this joke. Let me see. Uh, uh, you know, I have a, a bit about how, you know, we, in, um, in, uh, in, Can- in the United States, they have a president. Yeah. Uh, in in, Fran- in uh, Canada, we have a prime minister. In France, they have a president and a prime minister. And I tell them, it's a lot of leadership for a country that doesn't work. You know? <laughs> and I was like, it's like if I <laughs> was going to the airport, I called a taxi, and then I booked an Uber to follow us. Like, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me because <laughs> – and then I talk about how it's all broken here. So they kind of appreciate that from, uh, from an outside point does, of view. Does it, does it never kind of backfire? I mean, don't people get, uh, get offended? Sometimes, I mean, I've had, um, you know, my opening line when I come on stage here is, hey, I'm happy to be here in France. You guys are my favorite Arab country. And so right there, you know, right there, it's like you're addressing a truth and a concern and something that everybody's kind of worried about but should it be because it's kind of racist to worry about it and say so it's there you know and that's my opening line so it kind of defines the rest but that that's such a kind of a a tricky issue because you you, as you said you put your finger on a a point that uh is true because you know uh but 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 it makes people feel different in different ways some people are very angry about the the multiculturalism Mm -hmm. in france other people you know are celebrating other people just don't you know it's not a big deal yeah but it's something that will divide people and it's the sort of thing that causes all sorts of angry uh conversation on on the internet and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um so uh yeah wow that's it's pretty bold it's pretty bold move like to step out and immediately hit that button you got to do it man yeah but so what's the secret how do you how do you get away with it or how do you make it work because you do because i've seen you do that joke you know lots of times and and it's brilliant it always works and you know the audience are always laughing You, you always kill uh, so how do you how do you manage to take such a sensitive issue like that and then get successful comedy out of it? I don't know. I guess just the fact that I uh, I, I fire those shots right away. Yeah, you know, surprises people. Comedy is all about surprising, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about surprising people in a way where they didn't know they wanted to be surprised, but they love it. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's like good sex. You know, (laughs) think about it. It's like, you know, you kind of know what to expect, but it's fun to get surprised from time to time and go, I didn't expect I'd like that, but I really like what just you just did there. (laughs) And I want some more of that. Surprise me again. And then I'll. (laughs) I suppose what you're saying is by by coming to the show in the first place, they they have. uh, No pun intended. Yeah, yes, no pun intended. Uh, By coming to the show in in the first place, there is. is, What's the word I'm looking for? An expectation. Yes. And also a willingness to, okay, make me laugh. And so, yeah. you know, you're just... But surprise me. Because the thing is, a lot of people already know, you know, every, every I, I'd say every few years, you know, 
the framework within which you can play, that permission you have as mm. a comedian, as a public figure, as a person, not behind closed doors, but in a corporate setting or on television, or there's a framework within, within which you can play, and this is okay. You get to keep your job. Okay. As a comedian, you got to learn how to get out of that framework and make the audience laugh and not feel uh, angry at you about it, but just cross that line and say, hey, this is a framework you're used to. I'm going to pull you out of it for a second, and I'm going to get away with it. That's, it's like a magic trick. It's like a magic trick. But things that you would probably get fired for in your regular corporate job, mm. as a comedian, you've got to be able to say, you know. Because that's stand-up. That's the power of stand-up, isn't it? It is. It is. And, but here's the problem right now with society. And this is the – I think, you know, the internet has good and bad parts. Is there such a big policing going on that comedians have now felt that when they cross the line, which they have to attempt because – it's not an exact science. There's something scientific to comedy, but there's also, uh, you know, a lot of it is instinct and a lot of it is trial and error. And the problem is with some comedians, they'll try, but audiences won't let them make the error. Mm-hmm. You know, Roseanne Barr is a, is a big example of what just happened. We've come back to Roseanne Barr. Then. Yeah. So Roseanne Barr is this comedian who had a, a hit television show in the 80s in uh in america just made a comeback uh they re-released uh her her show she's doing a uh you know a 2.0 version and it's a huge hit 18 million viewers wow uh per episode which is humongous for any any country uh and especially america 18 million is unheard of uh but she tweeted something that was deemed to be racist it did push the envelope what did she tweet? I forget. It was something about one of Obama's aides where she said it, she resembled something which was a mix of Planet of the Apes and uh, the Muslim Brotherhood or something. Right. That right. was it. So this, right. this woman who used to work for, for Obama and she – Roseanne criticized her, yeah, saying something about her appearance or it, that it was – yeah, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood meets Mix. Planet of the Apes. That's right. Which is and, – and that's – Bad taste. Bad taste and, and – But uh, worth pulling a whole series for? So why, why did the, the TV uh, station pull the series then? Well, I think they said – well, we, the, the official statement was we don't agree with the values. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't correspond with our values. She shouldn't have said that. Uh, so you know, she apologized, which I you – know, I think comedians you know, try to always cross the line and see what happens. You know? yeah. She apologized and then – and then, but it was too late. They pulled the show. Everybody, all of her cast members and the writers said, we're distancing, distancing ourselves from the show. Which, I mean, listen, there could have been repercussions that were reasonable, which was like, hey, uh, you know, people could have made jokes back at her at her expense. They could have responded. There could have been articles about it and saying this was wrong. But, you know, her whole tv series going down the drain this is it's kind of uh, her career is is over now I, I don't know if it's over because she'll find an audience because all of that happened she'll yes. probably find an audience somewhere but well, already her audience was yeah. the the sort of people who probably didn't care about that 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 tweet in the first place yeah right? yeah but I, I see i don't agree with the fact that the, that they, they 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 should you know networks start pulling shows because of a bad joke because that makes everybody go okay well i gotta be careful what i say on stage now i gotta be careful what i tweet so all of a sudden 
it becomes more appealing as a comedian to build your own following in your own empire instead of working for or working with different networks before you sign with a network you got to put in a clause in your contract saying if i say or tweet or do anything um on stage that doesn't correspond with your values you cannot pull my show yeah you know because i mean i'm thinking if i get a tv show here mm-hmm. in france mm-hmm. and then some people disagree with hey I'm happy to be here in france you're my favorite arab country and all of a sudden they're like well we have to pull you off the show uh you know to me that's going too far it's like filtering my um my guts to try something new to go somewhere with Roseanne I, th- I just think it was a bad it was a bad joke it, it's definitely not something I would love or laugh at it's like old school bad racist comedy but not worth that I think the the reprimand was too big she she has since apologized and she said that uh, she was on sleeping pills she take- <laughs> I know I was like is it wait a minute I never I've never read the uh, small print on a pack of sleeping pills that said that be careful side effects may include racism <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may feel drowsy. You might yeah. start saying racist slurs. Uh, um, you know. I was on sleeping pills. I didn't finish my tweet. I had more to say. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. There was more. <laughs> I fell asleep. Yeah. yeah. Planet of the Apes and uh, and uh, the local San Francisco Zoo. Like, like, like. Yeah, she did, yeah. You know, she didn't. It, it's I like, wait a minute, guys. Tweet. It was worse. There yeah. was more. There was more. <laughs> You know, see, that's the thing with, uh, with uh, you know, once you start apologizing, I think you kind of, uh, you know, Kathy Griffin went through that too, right, recently when she uh, had a distasteful uh, photo of her holding up Trump's, um, Trump's severed head, like, right, it was a, a, a mock-up of his, of his head, not his real head, obviously, but, uh, but uh, they pulled her off of CNN's New Year's Eve uh, because she used to host the New Year's Eve gala with Anderson Cooper, so they pulled her off of that. So I'm like, mm, all of a sudden, what's going to happen is all these comedians are going to end up just being beige. You know, you're going right. ha- to have that. But I think at the end of the day, the, the the key to that is comedians have got to, before they get tied into networks, just go as far as possible so that networks know this is who this guy is. So the, the, what you're saying is, I guess, the essence of comedy or the essence of proper stand-up comedy is about taking risks and having the freedom to be able to, to take risks and say things because that's where the comedy comes from and uh, you know it's it's a skill it's difficult to do but the the, the right people can can do it well and, and that's where the great comedy happens yeah. and if the TV stations and the media are too uh, nervous about uh, about these things then what's going to happen is that you know comedy on TV as you said is going to be beige it's going to be too, too safe and it's not going to go anywhere it's going to be boring yeah it's the attempt right you have to attempt. You have to attempt to go those places and try to get away with the problem with Roseanne's tweet or joke that she tried to make was it wasn't it wasn't a good joke, right? You know. But the thing is, it's gonna is I'm thinking of the repercussions of other comedians attempting to make those good jokes that push a little bit further. You know, they'll make those bits that are well written, that are you know um, a little more sophisticated. But because they push the envelope, they'll have to hold back, you know. Because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of comedians out there who are like, ah, I want to make a joke about, you know, this whole this whole Harvey Weinstein Me Too movement. But uh, I feel like uh, if I put this out, mm, I'll get backlash. Uh, I should just go back to writing about, you know, autumn. 
cats and dogs. Cats and dogs, yeah. yeah. And cat food. And then, you, and then you're like, oh, there's nothing interesting going on because no one's attempting anything because they're thinking of the repercussions. So as soon as you start writing with that filter, it's over. Yes. So it's bad for comedy and it's bad for television, ultimately. Bad for television. Well, here's yeah. the thing. Television is also now changing because, you know, with what's going on online with Netflix and Amazon Prime and people are getting their content in other ways, if television doesn't follow suit and, you know, doesn't take risks, then they all look so diluted compared to what's going on online. You right. know, because online, the filters are not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's all part of the, the decline of, like, as they say, mainstream media. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be replaced by forms of entertainment where they, people aren't so worried about all these filters and, and things. Well, that's why podcasts are getting so much more popular than conventional radio. You're, you're starting to see that shift. Yeah. Because people are like, wow, I'm getting to hear real things, real opinions, no holding back, nobody yeah. getting in trouble for saying yeah. the wrong thing. Yeah. And I'm getting it directly, and I'm and I'm able to listen to it on my own time. Yeah. So there's all that listening to whatever you want, whenever you want, is way more appealing than being in front of your radio and waiting for something that you don't probably isn't going to be anything new. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So Roseanne then is an example of the court jester who uh, was what the court jester who who didn't make the king laugh. Yeah, and, and who you know got decapitated metaphorically because. For a comedian, you take away our microphones, our stage, our, our mediums, and then you know we're, we're you know she'll probably still end up doing stand up and have a you know big career as a stand up. But her show, which was yeah. super popular, mm-hmm. that first season is just gone. And you know you think about everybody who's been writing on it, who's been acting on it. Oh, everybody course. lost their jobs overnight. You yeah, know, that that was kind of uh, that yeah. was worrisome. Mm, absolutely. Um, new question: What what is the highlight of your career so far? Wow. Um, well, this, I think this is fun. This podcast. <laughs> uh, I, you know, there's so many. That's the thing is that you can't really pinpoint one, but every step of the way, there's something new that happens or new, um, adventures that make it, that make, make it exciting. Are you, are you thinking about the past now? Cause I mean, you're trying to do new things, right? Yeah. So how much time do you spend looking back and thinking about things you did before? Not much. I don't celebrate uh, my victories too much yeah. because it keeps me hungry right. for the next thing, yeah. you know? So whenever something's done, you know, I'll celebrate for like a day. And even then I feel guilty celebrating. I think it's this ethnic, this immigrant yeah. philosophy of celebrating too much and not being, not working, you know, not yeah. being at work. Right. It's like, <laughs> I should be working right now. What's going on? I should be working. Uh, you know, just that Indian philosophy. Yeah, really? always being work you know at work and working and not spending too much time on vacation or celebrating or you know yeah, wasting really. money any on anything right so i i don't i i always look forward you know um and i i look forward to the progress every day that's the thing that i look forward to is getting better than i was and to me i think that's a great sign and also sometimes um, one of those things that that's uh, you know it makes me cringe is looking at my older material, looking at myself even like three years ago and going, oh, I'm so much better than that now. Why did I put that out? Why is that on DVD? Why is that on you know? Why is that out? I I wish people could see me now and like it's a painful thing to go through, but it's good because you that means you've shed old skin and you're renewing yourself mm. and you're getting better and you're progressing and I think that's uh, I look forward to that the most 
Cool. The, the reason I asked you that, though, is just to give my audience a sense of like where you're coming from. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, and also to impress them with the fact that I've got, uh, you know, a, a, such a big comedian on my podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have no clue who I am right now. Well, some of them, you know. <laughs> some of them maybe. Some of them may yeah. do, but, uh, you know, some of them <clears throat> probably don't. Well, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the countries. I'm like, most, most of the listeners don't. But it's great to me that's exciting that um, I'm, I have maybe, you know, new people discovering who I am. They're yeah. going to go Google it. They're going to go YouTube. They're going to go check my Wikipedia page. You know, to me, that's, that, that's, that's exciting is this possibility of going to perform for a new audience who doesn't know who I am and trying to win them over. Hello, listeners. So I'm just stopping the conversation there. The rest will come in part two of this. So, yes, you heard Sammy at the end there saying that he's excited about the idea that there are new people out there uh, listening to this who perhaps don't know who he is, people who are going to check him out online, read his Wikipedia page and uh, go to his website and stuff like that, people who might go out and see him on stage, new people who don't know who he is, who he's uh, looking forward to uh, performing in front of so he can win them over. That's you, of course. That's you, isn't it? So, yes, as I've said, Sammy might be coming to your country, your area, your city soon, uh, and you should go and see him if you get the chance. So visit his website, sugarsammy.com, and join his mailing list, and you can get updates about where he will be performing uh, around the world uh, soon. All right, then. So I wonder how this is for you. How is this episode for you so far? I said already that for me, it was a thrill to record this conversation, partly because Sammy is a top comedian and it feels like a privilege to be able to interview him, but also because it's just loads of fun to talk to him and hang out with him. It's just really good. Uh, But how is it for you? How's it going? Are you all right? I certainly hope you're enjoying this as much as you actually should be enjoying it, because just in case you didn't realise, you really should be enjoying this quite a lot, okay? But I expect you're enjoying it like I am, But it's probably, if we're honest, it's probably a bit hard to follow in places. It's probably been quite difficult for you to follow everything. What people usually say to me is they say, Luke, I can understand you, but it's more difficult to understand your guests. It depends on your level of English, of course. It depends on your listening skills. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case in this episode. You might have found it difficult to follow everything. But if it is hard to follow sometimes, then I'm not surprised at all. Because first of all, you're probably listening to this because you're learning English, right? In which case, if it's hard to follow everything in a native level conversation like this, then that should make total sense. And it's completely normal because you're not a native speaker. So it's bound to be more difficult. I'm afraid so. But, you know, you know that, of course, it's all part of the learning process. What I would say to you is keep listening, keep practicing. You can understand conversations like this 100%. It is possible. It just takes time and practice and motivation and positivity. But you can definitely do it, all right? Also, let's not forget that in episodes of this podcast, I often play you natural conversations between friends that are not graded. By graded, I mean simplified, made made easier. Nobody's trying to simplify their English or anything in conversations like this. It's also spontaneous 
and fast like a normal conversation. So I'm not surprised if it's difficult sometimes. That's normal. This isn't a listening exercise in a course book published by Oxford University Press or Cambridge University Press or something. Uh, The recordings that you get in those publications, you know, the kind of course books that you might use in an English class, the recordings that you get in those publications are usually scripted, first of all, uh, and they are graded to make them easier to understand. So the people who write those scripts, they make them slightly easier than normal, natural, spontaneous conversations, even at advanced levels, like the advanced course books, like the upper intermediate or advanced course books, the listenings in them are, you know, definitely easier than the sorts of conversations that you typically hear in episodes of this podcast. Let me give you an example. I'm just going to play you a a small sample from Headway Upper Intermediate, published by Oxford University Press. Uh, A very quick sample, just to give you an idea of the sort of level of, um, of of course book listening exercises at, first of all, upper intermediate level. Here we go. Headway Upper Intermediate. Yes, okay. Head, headway up for intermediates. Tape script 1.1. Tyler's tweets. I'm spending a year in London. Tuesday, September 4th, 1.42 p.m. Still sitting in the airport in NYC. Been waiting three hours, but seems like forever. Tuesday, September 4th, 3.20 p.m. Just boarded the plane for London. My first trip abroad, except for a week in Mexico last year. Okay, that's just a little sample of Headway Upper Intermediate Students Book, 4th edition. That's published by Oxford University Press there. That's the Upper Intermediate one. Let me play you a small sample from the advanced one as well, just to give you an an idea of the level of English that you get in in the advanced uh, course book, too. Here we go. Unit 1. What makes us human? Tape script 1.1. The reunion. This is, uh, they're, they're talking about a reunion. So, you know what that means. Like, a reunion is like when you meet people again that you used to know years and years ago. Like, maybe people you went to school with and that you haven't seen for a long, long time. A reunion is when you meet those people again. That's what a reunion is. So, you're going to hear a little conversation about someone who had a reunion. Hey, Bridget. Hey, how was your school reunion? Wasn't that last weekend? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Hmm? Well, it was okay. Only that I didn't recognise quite a lot of the people and... Oh, well, has been nearly 15 years. Yeah, I know. And boy, do some people change. (laughs) You know, I'd find myself talking to someone who obviously knew who I was and I hadn't a clue who they were. And I don't suppose you could have asked. No, how rude would that have been? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, she's talking about how uh, some... Boy, some people have changed. After 15 years, she found herself talking to some people who obviously recognised her, but she couldn't recognise them. And uh, she couldn't ask, because that would have been rude. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, that's just an example of um, the sorts of listenings that you get at upper, intermediate and advanced levels uh, in published course book. Now, they're easier, aren't they? Definitely easier. Now, don't get me wrong. um, These course books like Headway are very good publications. I use them. I've used them for years. They're, They're very good. They just go for a different approach. They grade their listening materials. Uh, based on a different approach to the way in which they are 
uh, teaching English. Now, on this podcast, you know, I'm going for a different approach to them, naturally, partly because of the nature of the medium of podcasting. Um, My conversations aren't graded. In fact, I specifically ask my guests to speak naturally because I want them to be natural and I want them to still be funny and relaxed because for me, what we might lose in terms of intelligibility, I mean, what we might lose in terms of you understanding every single thing, we gain in authenticity and in humour, basically. You know, I, I, I tell my guests, this is a podcast for learners of English. Your people are listening to you uh, because they're learning English first and foremost. And they say, oh, right. Oh, so what? Do I need to kind of speak slowly? And I say, no, no, don't do that. You should just try and be normal, be natural. And just be yourself and, you know, relax and have fun. Because, you know, for me, I I want it to be authentic and I want it to be fun and funny as well. Because that's hopefully the spirit that is going to help to keep you motivated and to keep you listening to content which may be difficult to understand word for word. All right. So listening to this conversation with Sugar Sammy and other conversations I have with my my friends is the real thing. So it's normal if it's pretty tough. It's normal if it's difficult. But for me, this is a good, strong way to work on your English. It's a bit like high altitude training. You know, when people, uh, when like sports people train high in the mountains where there's less oxygen. It's hard, it's strenuous, it's challenging. But when you go back down to lower altitude levels where there's more oxygen again, you're suddenly much more effective. You're stronger, you're faster, fitter, more effective. And the training really pays off. That's kind of the idea. It's a sort of an analogy. Anyway, speaking for myself, this was a really fun episode to do. And if I were you, I would listen to it several times to squeeze maximum enjoyment out of it. Because I promise you that if you listen again, you'll understand and therefore enjoy it even more. And then you can also get stuck into part two of this, which may already be available to you. So come on, people, seriously, you're getting more than your money's worth here, are you not? Um, check out the page on the website for some more details, including um, a, a transcription of my introduction and a lot of the, uh, the ending part, this, this bit at the end, a lot of this is transcribed as well. Also, you'll see a video of Sugar Sammy improvising on stage, talking to an Iraqi guy, a guy in the audience who was from Iraq. Um, he was talking to this guy from Iraq who moved to Texas. So I think the show in the video it was filmed in Texas in the United States and Sammy was talking to the, a guy on the front row from Iraq and a very funny sequence of responses from the audience and improvisations from Sugar Sammy happen. It's very funny and you just get an idea of the way in which Sammy improvises with his audience in, in one of his shows. So you can see that video on the website. Also, you can see a video of Bill Hicks, the, the, uh, the American comedian, who I mentioned at one point, and his routine about being asked by a waitress, what are you reading for? Right, that bit. And also a video of the extraordinary Russian singer Vitas doing his song Seventh Element. You can see those videos on the web uh, website. All right. Thank you very much for listening uh, to this episode of the podcast and for listening to my podcast in general. You are a wonderful human being. And I'm sure that all this time that you're spending uh, on the podcast is going to pay off in terms of your English and just, you know, quality of life, surely. I mean, you know, listening to Sugar Sammy in conversation is, is great. Okay. 
So get my app from the App Store to get all my episodes on your phone, plus loads of bonus content and access to premium episodes when they are available. Speak to you again in part two of this episode. But for now, goodbye, bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. 